We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. All right, why don't you grab your seats? All right, we're going to come around the word now. Um, we've been in the Gospel of John, um, been reading that through as a church, and the writings of John, John 1, 2, and 3 coming up. Um, and uh, one more week, I think there's one more week of that through, through John. And we've been speaking from the Gospel of John too. And um, just, I suppose, to set this up or a little bit of a re- review, G- um, Jesus is intro- introduced in the Gospel of John in the very first chapter, and Jesus is called the Word of God. And um, it says the Word became human. It's sort of this abstract, abstract sort of a idea, but it's actually a poem, and it's meant to take your mind back to the creation where the word was spoken and everything was formed. And, and the idea of the first part of John is to let you know that Jesus has been here a lot longer than just a man. He was part of creation. In fact, he is God, it says. And the book of John or the Gospel of John is all, all about telling us who Jesus is. And even in the very first chapter of John, it gives Jesus these names. The King of Israel the Lamb of God, the only begotten Son, the Chosen One of God, the Son of Man, Rabbi, Messiah, the Christ, the person the prophets spoke about. That's just in chapter 1 of John. And John is painting a picture that is trying to tell people that Jesus is much more than probably what you think. He's much more than a man who came, died and rose again. In fact, he's even more than that. And um, if you think you've got Jesus or if you put Jesus in a box, he wants to break Jesus out of that box. And um, there's so much more to discover about him. And Jesus himself says through the book of John, it's not just other people talking about Jesus, it says the I am statements of Jesus. So Jesus is making these declarations about himself. There's seven I am statements in the book of John, and you might have heard of these. I'm the way, the truth, of the life, book of John. I'm the bread of life. I'm the, the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I'm the vine. I'm the resurrection and the life. They're all in the book of John. And um, when John wrote this gospel of John, he had a goal. And he makes it really clear so no one gets it wrong. You know, imagine you're writing a book and you, and you put right at the end, this is what this book's about. Well, this, this is what John does. And we read his goal in John 20, verse 30 and 31. Let's just look at this. Um, it says, have we got that? The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So this is right at the end. But these are written that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. So that's, that's why the book of John was written. That's the purpose, that you might believe that Jesus is not just a man, he's a Son of God. And every miracle in there was called a sign, not just a miracle, it's a sign to show you something turning water into wine, walking on water, feeding the 5,000, raising people from the dead. And today I'm going to speak from John chapter 10. 
And uh, um, if you've got a Bible, um, why don't you turn to it? If you've got one, we're going to have this on the screen. And I suppose, you know, Scott spoke about today being Palm Sunday, Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Or John tends a little bit about how we enter into the things of God. And um, before we read, we're going to put that, that pic of a... Uh, yeah. That's uh, my rockery in my backyard. <laughs> that's, that's a sheepfold. Um, so whenever you, you see the word sheepfold, they, they dealt with sheep differently, Andy. Each sheep had a name. There's a challenge for you this week. Fluffy... Each sheep had a name, and when it talks about a sheepfold, it's talking about something like this. And it's where a place where a shepherd would take his sheep in the night, and sometimes there was more than one lot of sheep in there. So Andrew took his in, uh, you know, Sarah took hers in, and uh, Natasha took her sheep in, and they all took them in the same sheepfold. And when they went out in the morning, they'd call their sheep, and their sheep would follow them, and the other sheep would sort of stay behind. And the shepherd would sort of lay across the gate. And the idea was to keep the sheep safe, keep them uh, safe from predators. And sometimes they had a, like a bit of a roof, but usually they were just like a wall. And that one's sort of surviving from those sort of days. So this, when we read this chapter, have that in your mind and it gives you a bit of a picture of what we're talking about. John chapter 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate most surely is a thief and a robber but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him the, sh the sheep recognize his voice and come to him he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out he has gathered his own flock and he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice they won't follow a stranger, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he, he explained to them, and I'll tell you the, the truth, and here's one of those I am statements. I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Guess what that word saved is? Julie spoke about it. Sozo. Um, they will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or your Bible might say abundant life. I am the good shepherd. There's the other I am in this. So that we've got two I am's. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's uh, only working for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know my father. Hey, it seems to be that we can know Jesus like Jesus knew the father. That's what this is saying. So I sacrificed my life for the sheep. Coming up to Easter, you know, this is what this is all about. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. Hey, you know that? This isn't exclusive. 
There's other sheep you don't know about. And uh, no one is barred. Did you like that? <laughs> write that down. Write that. Just came up, with that, came up with that right then. Must be because I spoke to Dean he, he, uh, before he's got worse dad jokes than me. <laughs> what did I get to? I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. Verse 16. I bring them in, in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 17. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life and so I might take it up again. No one can take my life from me. Hey, you know when Jesus was arrested, they asked him who he was and he said, I am, and they all fell backwards. You know, no one took him by force. He laid down his life. I sacrifice it voluntarily, it says, for I have authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again for this is what my father commanded now we're going to skip down a little bit further and read from verse 27 my sheep listen to my voice i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life they will never perish no one will snatch them away from me you know there's security here for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else no one can snatch them from the father's hand the father and i are one Verse 31, once again the people picked up stones and tried to kill him. Don't you like that? Why was that? Because he said he was one with the Father. He was claiming to be God. And uh, they were going to kill him. Verse 32, the last verse, Jesus said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works for which one of you, uh, which one of you are going to stone me? So, you know, this claim that he was God. Remember why John wrote the book that people will believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The word Son of God is not a lesser God. The word Son of God actually means he was God as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And that alone, I pray you'll help uh, let that ruminate within our being, that we will um, just get that picture that we are uh, secure in you, Lord, that you look after us, Lord, in Jesus' name. As we open up this little bit, I pray you'll speak to us afresh. Amen. You know, you see lots of metaphors in the Bible um, to help us understand God. The term the hand of God, have you heard the term the hand of God? That's not talking about a huge hand coming down from heaven, it's talking about the power of God. And sometimes we get this mixed up. Um, or he covers me with his wings and his feathers, that doesn't mean God's a chicken. Okay? Sometimes we read it as if, like, you know, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, God's a chicken. No, it's a, it's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor to help us understand that he gives warmth and protection, for instance. And, and so with the I am statements, I am the gate, I am the shepherd. And these names reveal his, his character and his purpose. Um, I'm a gate. What's a gate? A gate is a place of entry. A gate is a place of access. A, a, a gate keeps the right things in and the right things out. And he was saying, and maybe I'll say to you that you might have heard about the things of God. Um, you might have been taught them down through the ages. He was speaking to his disciples. There's lots of things you've taught about the prophets, what's going to happen. But you haven't been able to access them. 
but I'm the gate, I'm the way. The promises that you have seen through all the Old Testament scriptures, I am the gate to receive them. I'm the, I'm the way uh, which you can have life with God and uh, the life of God. Last, uh, last time I spoke, I spoke about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life. And he's the gateway for us to receive from God, the place of entry. I'm the gate, those who come through me will be saved. And then it says this interesting statement, they will come and go freely and find good pastures. So these sheep, I've got this picture of these sheep going in and out of that door, freely. And I was thinking about that and it it took my mind to Psalm 23, Firstly, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. And it's an interesting thought that we can come and go freely into this place. We're not compelled. We're not forced. We're not kept there as captives. Some people think uh, that if you follow Jesus, you're sort of bound up to these rules. That's not the way it's meant to be. There's, there's a freedom of coming and going. And I suppose the way I look at it, that I know God is with us all the time. In fact, he said in, in that reading, I will never leave you, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And who's ever been there with your family and you're with them, but you're not always with them? Gentlemen, the football's on, you're watching TV, and someone says something to you, and says something to you again, and says something to you again, and says something to you again, and then you hear this voice say, you never listen to me, and you think, well, that's a strange way to start a conversation. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Um, And so sometimes we're there, but we're not always there. And I think it's the same way with God. We know that he is with us all the time, but there's moments where we can specifically come to him and engage with him in conversation and prayer and worship. It's like we can, he's with us all the time, but we can freely come and go and sort of connect with him at any time. He's always there, but like us, we might be there, but we're not always there. We have this opportunity, even though God is with us, to sit with him, commune with him, sort of engage with his presence, know his peace. And uh, in fact, God invites us, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. Or if he's always with me, why do I need to draw near to him? It's something we do. God's with us, but we're not always with him, I don't think. So we get this opportunity to come and go. Um, And you can't live in, you know, in that place all the time because you have to you have to work, you have to do things. But we can freely come and go and find uh, good pastures. And we can come um, with a fam- sense of uh, being familiar. And when I was a little, we had a screen door. Has anyone had one of those screen doors? And uh, I used to go in and out of it. And, and the thing that closed it got broken after a while. And then your mum would yell at you, shut the door, you don't live in a tent or something like that, you know. Who remembers that? That was the favourite term. And we could go in and out and without sort of even asking whether you could come in. But if a neighbour came or someone you didn't know, they knocked on the door and they waited to be invited in. 
Now, we have this invitation where we can come and go at any time into the presence of God. We, we, uh, he's saying you can come and go freely. We can come and go with confidence. We can come and go knowing we belong. We are his children. We don't have to stand with our nose pressed against the window. Whoever did that, you know, looking into a shop, uh, just looking at the things with a little nose prints on, on the window. I think it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal things to us, um, show us things, show us the good things of God, but, but Jesus is the gate by which we access it. There's, there's a verse in two, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10. Thanks, Julie. This is what the scriptures say when they mean, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed his things by his spirit. His spirit searches out the things and shows us the deep things of God. That's what the spirit does. I think the spirit's a little bit like... For this illustration, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. The spirit's like a window. We look in, but Jesus is the gate to which we enter. I am the gate. The gate means he's accessible. And, uh, you know, I was with some people this week. I was in Adelaide for a couple of days for a conference. And one guy was telling me about these sort of extraordinary things that were happening in his life. And he sort of knew there was a spiritual realm or a God. That's what happens when you go to a council dinner and someone has a few red wines. They start to open up to you. And... And they knew there's something there, but they haven't yet accessed it because Jesus is the gate. So the Spirit can sort of show us things and Jesus sort of leads us through the Spirit, but we enter, we find those things through the gate. Hey, there's been times in the past, and you might have had this in your background, you might have been taught, and this is, this is I would say this is an error, God is not always accessible. That you have to be super holy to get into his presence. Like if I want to get to God, I have to go via, via a priest or something to get to God. Or if I want to connect with God, I'd have to make an appointment with someone who could help me get in there. Maybe, may I, but imagine it's like 4 a.m. in the morning and that person isn't available. We need to know that we can access God's presence. We don't have to wait for someone else to do it for us. We're invited to boldly come to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, I think it's verse 10, to receive from God. It says we receive grace and mercy to help in our time of need. I often thought about that term, mercy to help in our time of need. What's mercy? Mercy is related to your need. So if your need is healing, you receive mercy for healing uh, mercy for sickness is healing if you need the peace of god then mercy looks like peace it's related to your need and so we can come to god at any time and we can receive from him jesus is called our high priest and we can come in and out because of him There's green pastures in there. 
In that, in that verse, as we read it, we find another factor in there. Something I don't want to be in there. It's called the thief. And it talks about the thief who's coming to kill, you know, steal and destroy or the wolf. And um, it's an intimidating factor. And the thief is a bit like the, the snake in the Garden of Eden. Um, something who, or someone or some force that sort of wants to interrupt what God wants to do in our life, to steal, um, to destroy. So the fact that we have access to God's presence doesn't mean we don't have to be aware of the thief. The fact that we come to church doesn't mean we don't need to be aware of the thief. The fact that we are generous with uh, our gifts or we, we uh, sing and worship doesn't mean we don't understand that st still there's a thief. Um, and Jesus said the thief comes. John writes the thief comes. So why are we so shocked when the thief comes? The thief's going to come. And uh, if you knew a thief was coming to your house today, what would you do? Well, I think I'd lock my doors, lock my windows, stir up my pit bull. I don't know. What would you do? So let's understand that the thief does come. You know, you could have slept in this morning, but perhaps you're aware that there's a thief. And I think there are spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible, worship, coming together, help us to be aware or help us guard against the thief. And uh, I know sometimes we don't always feel equipped to stand against our diversities that come. How could God be good when all these things are happening? Who's heard that? We can be um, ill-equipped. Jesus says, the thief comes, but I'm there. But I've come to give you life. So you don't have to battle things alone, that means. Jesus is the one that helps. He's the giver of life. Because he's the gate, but he also says he's the good shepherd. And the shepherd is the one who uh, fights for you. Who comes against anything that's trying to kill, steal or destroy. So in this same sort of speech where Jesus says he's a gate, he also says he's a good shepherd. And he knows you, the sheep. He actually lays down his life. He'll fight for you till the end. He protects you. He's a shepherd. He's not a hireling that runs away when the, in other words, when it gets tough, my pay grade's not good enough for this, I'm out of here. He doesn't do that because we're his children. And it says, when you read it through, it says the wolf comes to scatter the sheep. And there's a little lesson for us there. Because the wolf knows there's strength in numbers, so he tries to scatter the sheep. And uh, I think one of the biggest ways of interrupting what God has for you is to be scattered. Um, in fact, Hebrews tells us, don't, don't neglect meeting together, because um, that's the way the wolf comes. And I, I've noticed those who might fall away, those who are led away, those who end up a little bit bitter, starts by sort of isolation often. And because uh, when you're not connected to a group of believers, you know, there's, no, there's, there's less safety. There's no one to bring balance to your arguments. Um, be with Christians. There's strength in numbers. There's another story where Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 sheep to get the one sheep. Because the 99 have strength in numbers. But that one alone needs some help. Got to bring them in. So uh, the enemy's strategy seems to be to isolate first. So don't isolate. Um, 
Proverbs, the book of Proverbs says that those who isolate argue against all sound judgment because they think they know better. Uh, start to imagine all sorts of nonsense, no balancing factors. Um, so that's why, you know, we're always better together. And, you know, if this isn't your place of worship, your group of believers, make sure you have one because there's, there's strength, there's, there's safety when you're with a group of believers. Two times in our reading it says the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's not just a thought, that's what was about to happen a few verses, a few chapters later. He laid down his life, no one took it. We've got Easter next week and it's a whole story how the shepherd also became the lamb of God. And um, he gave it freely. They had no power to take it. The shepherd became the lamb of God. The sacrificial lamb who stood in place for us. Can you get ready to sing that, that hymn, old hymn again? Thanks, Sarah. I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. We have access to the good things of God. We have access to life through the gate and we, there we find the shepherd. You know, there's sort of different, two different pictures of Jesus. First, he's the entry point. And when we go through the entry point, he's also the one welcoming us and protecting us there. It's not two Jesuses, but it's two perspectives, two aspects of God. Psalm 23, I'm going to read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honour to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, because a thief comes to, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you're with me. It's like being in the playground with the bigger brother. I was intimidated before, but now I've got someone with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and comfort me. What's that all about? I'm sure you've seen the staff of the... It's got the hooky thing on the end. It's a beat off things that shouldn't be there and maybe bring things back into line. And I love this line, you prepare a feast before, before me in the presence of my enemy. Ever thought about that? You pre prepare a table before me, even in the middle of my enemies. Just imagine a fight there and all of a sudden there's a table in the middle. What's, what's it talking about? You know, uh, I, I often... How do you fight your battles? Psalm 23 in that place says, well, if you want to fight your battles, how about getting with God and communing with God in the middle of your enemies? And I always get this picture that a battle's happening down here and, and the table's just above so, so no one can reach out. Hey... Sometimes, if you want to sh fight a battle, stop shouting at people, even shouting at God. Get, with, get in the presence of God. Get in his, his presence. And something happens. He prepares a table for me. In fact, uh, you can have a feast even when things are going crazy in your world. And then it says, Surely goodness and uh, 
Anyone, when they were a kid, ever read it like this? Surely good Mrs Murphy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who is this good Mrs Murphy? And then you read it, oh, hang on, it's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. We have this little dog at the moment. It was a little dog, now it's five months old, it's 18 kilos now. It's going to be a big little dog. And it, you just turn around, it's beside you. You go into another room, you turn around, it's there. It just appears by stealth somehow. And you try to hide, but it's there. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I like that. Can't shake it. This is the person connected with the shepherd. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It's talking about the presence of God. It's talking about with the people of God. It's a response. Let's pray. Lord, we have and thank you for the invitation we have before us this morning. That you are the way, the truth, and the life, and you are the gate. And we come to you, we thank you, and we come through you because of this sacrifice being we've been talking about the fact that we've been made right, sons and daughters of the living God, with nothing, no barrier to stop us. So we enter in, we come in. We commit our life and our world to you, Lord God. And we thank you that you are our good shepherd, Lord. You love the sheep. You know each one by name. You know each one's story, each one's struggle, each one's victory. We thank you, Lord, that you are our good shepherd, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here who might be just dealing with some adversity, Lord. Let them know that you are with them, Lord God, and no one can snatch you out of their hand, Lord God. And Lord, I pray uh, people will sense um, that love and that acceptance and that security in your presence, Lord. You know, I think it'll be a good time. Occasionally we need to do this where we say, Lord, I just commit my life to you afresh. And if you want to do that, just do that. It's, it's just an affirmation. It might be the first time, it might be the first time for a long time where you say, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. I enter in that gate. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the salvation, the life that this talks about. I commit myself into your care. I want to follow you, be a follower of Jesus. Amen.